Hello, and welcome to Life Lessons from a Total Failure, the podcast, a show that shares stories from passionate people living life on their own terms, and one that reminds us how life's failures and struggles are just the plot twists needed in our own personal stories to help us get to where we were meant to be. I'm your host, MJ Doherty. Some people are just destined to be who they were meant to be. No matter what they may have planned, the cosmos, universe, God, whatever you want to call it, has them down to be something unique, and that is just what's going to happen. My guest today, Ty Olson, has that kind of life. He has played parts in iconic and history-making movies and shows. He has a passion and confidence that permeates from his being, and that leaves you with no doubt that he is someone you should take notice of. And you probably have, because his credit sheet is longer than any other actor I've ever had sitting in my, <laughs> in my, in the same room as me. Uh, he has been consistently working since the mid-90s, it looks like. Yep. And you have seen him on so many shows that when you see his face, you're like, oh, yeah, of course, that guy. Um, to name some of the many, many things that he's been on. Planet of the Apes, the 100, Unreal, Supernatural... He's done voiceover for things like Voltron, Beauty and the Beast, Twilight Saga, Battlestar Galactica, Men in Trees, Flight 93, X-Men 2, and Murder, She Baked. Those, you know, Hallmark movies that everybody loves. <laughs> Sheriff Jim Grant. That's how I knew him. <laughs> so I'm really excited to have him here today. Ty, thank you for coming. Thanks for having me. All right. So Ty Olson, originally from Halifax, huh? Uh, born in Halifax, but I didn't spend any time there. I was my, I was a... Uh, uh, Son of a Navy family, so we, we were in port there for a very short period of time. And then I grew up in Ottawa. Ottawa, okay. Yeah. Well, I don't know Ottawa, but man, I love Halifax. I've been there. And you know I what? I love Nova Scotia. I have no memories of it, so I still oh, want to go back bad. and visit. Go back. Go that to Alexander Keith's Brewery. It's great. Um, so you're a Canada boy. I am. Uh, Ottawa. And then you migrated out west at some point? Yeah, I went to uh, theater school at Studio 58 in Vancouver, uh, straight out of high school in 90, late 93. So I moved out, drove across, and uh, spent three years there in theater school, and, and then just adopted it as my home for a long time. Nice. I mean, it's not a bad place to call home. Yeah, uh, especially in Canada. I mean, if you're looking at it weather-wise, it's probably right. it's the best weather you can get in the entire country. So, <laughs> Which is sad, but <laughs> I, know, <laughs> I, mean, I know. coming from this L.A. lower, you know? Yeah. Um, so clearly, you were always meant to be doing what you're doing. It's in your blood. Yeah, you know, looking back years and years, I realized how young I was when that the traits of being an actor and being a performer started to show. You don't know it at the time, but looking yeah. back, I go, oh yeah, it started very early. Right, and so coming from a you said Navy, uh, my parents were in the Navy. Navy. Yes. How how did that go in the Olson household when you said I'm going to be an actor? Well, it didn't because I've, I actually was awarded the crown from the age of ten. So uh, there was a lot of domestic violence in my background. And my, my mom and my biological father separated when I was six months. She remarried uh, a horrible man and, who was very abusive. And at 10, I was moved into Children's Aid Society. So I grew up in group homes and foster homes hmm. from the age of 10. Well, that's a whole slew of questions yeah. that I didn't so, anticipate. So, yeah, there you go. How'd that go for you? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny because I, I, in a funny way, most people who become actors, they do have that problem where the family goes, oh, really? Nobody right. makes any money as yeah. an actor. Real people don't do that. Yeah, yeah come on. When are you going to grow up? Exactly. And yeah. I never had to deal with that because uh, my family wasn't in the picture. And in, in fact... I came from such a fucked up, dysfunctional family yeah. that the fact that I graduated high school, I was beating all of them already. So, <laughs> but hey, aim high. So, <laughs> that's and great. so that's a great gift as an actor because I've never had that pressure. I've, I never had expecta- 
reputation for success, and I never had uh, parents who were disapproving of, of my choices. Um, I mean, there were some things that I would have been nice to have had, like supporting parents and right. some financial backing and some love and care, but you got to yeah, look at the bright but, side. But those basically. things are nice. And, and hey, you know, finding the, the silver lining is always important. Right. Um, and, you know, in this this podcast, we talk all about, you know, people that are – it's about people that are passionate that come – they come in and share their stories. Yeah. And usually it's because they've done something really great with their life and they're living the life that they want to live. But no matter if you come from the best home in the world or a, a background that isn't what most people would think of as the norm, um, it's all a sum of moving parts to get you to where you're at. And and the whole point of this podcast is to be able to appreciate where you are now, but look back and realize, oh, those things that at the time I hated or I wished didn't happen or I was so upset about, you know, man, they were important for me to be who I am today. Right. And well, for me, there, <laughs> there's no better example of that because uh, as an actor in this profession, being able to tap into your own history, your own life, your own experiences is, is really important. And I think it allows for a, a depth that uh, somebody who comes from a you know upper middle class family with the picket fence may not have, and I, I right. grew up I grew up in group homes, foster homes, a lot of domestic violence, um, a lot of a lot of involvement with uh, criminal activity when I was a kid and angry teenager, and and um, so having come out of that in a healthy way, it, it allows me to have a background that a lot of people don't have. So when you're playing the bad guy, jail guy, <laughs> murder guy, in as you do in a lot of things, you you have something to draw from. Yeah, well, you know, you put all, you put a lot of angry teenagers together under the same roof. You know, hey, I, I get you. You know, it's such an interesting thing because living in LA, you deal with a lot of of uh, different creative types, a lot of different actors that come from very varied backgrounds, and. It's sometimes hard for me when I'm in a room with actors who uh, maybe came from a very good home and went right to theater school and then came out to L.A. and been working, you know, as an actor. And that's their whole life experience. It's very hard for me to look at them and take them seriously because I'm like, you've never lived your life. How do you know what you're doing? You know, how could you really tap into what it's like? Yeah. Um, And you do because you're taught tools how to do it. But there's something different when you actually know what it's what life is really like and you have that experience to draw from. Yeah. Yeah. And and clearly it has helped you in your line of work to to actually work like so many other actors who don't have that opportunity. You never stop working. Yeah, no, I've been very fortunate. It's it's been a good run. So going through your IMDB was just really fun because I know there's so many people that would be excited to hear about projects that you've worked on just because you've been on so many iconic shows and been part of shows that people are really passionate about. Um, I have never seen it, but I know that um, Supernatural has a very um, dedicated following. Rabid. Yes. And that your character, Benny, is is someone who has been reoccurring and one that people really like. Um, What is it like when you get to be a part of a show or even a movie? I mean, you're, you know, you played a part in Twilight, uh, Planet of the Apes, that things, X-Men. I mean, you're the reason Magneto got out. Yeah. Like, I mean, good job. I mean, you're you're in these, you're not doing things that people don't recognize. You're doing things that people recognize, 
and are passionate about. Yeah, and not only that, that, there's projects on there that are part of cinematic history. Yeah. You know, being part of Supernatural, it's one of the longest running shows in history, and it's got this fan base that's, uh, this fandom that's unlike any other fandom on the planet. Um, and to be part of that kind of show and is just unique in itself. Well, and I found it really interesting because on your uh, IMDb, it said, it said something like, you know, trivia. You were in four of like the longest running um, sci-fi shows, and it said X Files, um, Smallville, Supernatural, and something else. And I was like, oh, maybe Battlestar Galactica. Oh, maybe. And I was like, wow, like that's pretty impressive. I haven't seen that. That's yeah. <laughs> oh, you should read your own IMDb. You're I, fascinating. <laughs> I should have a look at that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was so cool. And the thing is, is I, I there were a lot of shows. I, I, you know, obviously I love TV and I'm a TV guy over a movie guy. Um, Battlestar Galactica, in, in my opinion, is maybe one of the most well done shows of all time. Yeah. Yeah. And again, people recognize that. And, you know, you, you were a named character. It's not like you were one of the, the guards running in the background. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, you have something like Planet of the Apes that is a whole, you know, series and and your character from War of the Planet of the Apes, I mean, that was a really intense, you know, character that you played as an gorilla. Yeah. With, like, how, what was that like? I mean, that whole... CGI having balls all over your body yeah. going in front of a green screen. That's what you do, right? Yeah, and that's odd in itself, and that's unique, having the gray suit with the little balls and the, and the head camera and all that. But then uh, add on to that, I'm playing an animal. Right. So, yeah, we went to a three-week uh, uh, ape school. and ape school. Yeah, it was, uh, was As one does. <laughs> As one does. Oh, I just got back from ape school. <laughs> yeah, you know. Duh. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we learned how to walk and talk and move like an ape. Well, obviously they didn't talk, but my character did. So yeah. it was about exploring like how would uh, a creature who's just learning how to grasp language, to physically grasp it, how would he speak? What would he sound like? And then um, my ape was interesting too, my gorilla, because he wanted to be human. He was side with the human. So even though I learned to quadruped and, and use the stilts that we use, um, we decided my character would never, there was never an opportunity where it made sense for him to quadruped. So we just kept him standing because he was trying to be as human as possible. Right. He had sided, he was a turncoat trying to, to uh, hedge his bets and go with the, who, the side he thought was going to win. Right. Um, there were no winners in that war. No, no winners. <laughs> yeah, he was such an interesting character, though, because he redeems himself at the end. Um, but you just, it's like, it's, it speaks of the ravages of war. What, what does one do when they're desperate and they're trying to survive? On both sides, like you said, on both sides. And it's just, it, it's something that we see as a consumer. We see movies and we love them and we understand that people are playing those roles. But you don't really understand that people are playing those roles. Yeah. And the thought of having to be in a getup acting in a major movie as a, gorilla yeah it's crazy i mean it's crazy (laughs) so like when you started getting into that did you have any background in how to to do that or did you just is it just like fake it till you make it well a bit of both i mean but that's that's a good that's gotta be scary yeah it's going back to theater school where we do a lot more playing and there's there is exercises in theater school called animal work where you literally you observe animals and see their traits and how they move and and start to do a character observation on, on different um 
different creatures, mammals and snakes, and see what is it. What's interesting about their movement? How they look at you, and how they how they how they hang, how they walk, how they crawl. Um, so those are things that you know you can tap into from from that experience. And during theater school, did you ever think you're going to have to tap into that? No, no, <laughs> no. You're probably like, why the hell do I have yeah. to walk around like this? Man? And funny, the animal work was not one of the things that worked for me particularly. I was like, funny. Oh, irony, yeah. right? Yep, yep. I have a couple questions. So you've done lots of movies and you've done lots of TV, and you've done one-time characters and reoccurring characters. Um, you've done dramatic. You've done um, action. What's your favorite? What do you love? Like when you get an opportunity to do something, what what makes you really excited? Um, it's it really isn't a genre that gets me excited. It's something that that allows me to tap into a like a real deep area of of human psyche. You know, um, something that's not empty or right. something that's not like oh, it's been done a million times. So if the character has something, you know, some turmoil or some Something that resonates, that's that's unique to to anything else I've played. That's what I strive for, just to find something different. I mean, I'm almost at 170 credits, so that's 170 characters. Right. So, and I, I pride myself that every one of them is different, even though certain characters are similar. You Sometimes know? do you feel like you have, like, multiple personality disorders? Like, are you, like, Sybil? <laughs> All the time. I mean, Get out of my medical right, records. It's like, <laughs> I, sometimes you got to wake up and be like, wait, who am I today? Oh, yeah. Dude, I, I've been on six jobs at one time. Uh, I have a hard time being me in a day and like being like, wait, how am I going to be act today? I don't even know how I'm behaving. I can't imagine doing six characters at once. Well, it's kind of like, you know, you have your phone voice for your grandma and then you have your phone voice for your boss and then you have your phone voice for your lover and then you have your phone voice for your wife. I'm not, I don't, I'm not good at that. (laughs) I'm not good at that. I, um, I, uh, and by the way, that was a very interesting, um, (laughs) I don't know if you guys caught that, but go back, rewind and listen to what he just said. His list was quite, um, interesting. That was my (laughs) Girlfriend snickering in the background. Uh-huh. Yeah, lover, his wife. <laughs> <laughs> but that's a different show. Right, right, right. Well, you know, I, I think that when you have a career that gets you 170 credits in, in real productions, it, it means something. Mm-hmm. It, it means that you are good at what you do. You have definitely tapped into something. You think if I was faking it, somebody would have figured it out. By You'd now. figure out, whatever, right? Yeah, I mean, think of all these actors that you know you see, and they they land one big thing, and then you never see them again. It's right. because they probably didn't do it very well. Um, I, this is going to really make me look like the gay that I am. But um, we were watching Xanadu the other day, and um, Xanadu is on TV, and you can't pass Xanadu without stopping. And there's the guy who's the lead guy in Xanadu, and I just kept thinking, like, how did he get this role? Like, he's terrible. And has he ever done anything again? Like, no. So good for him. He had this great break. He probably knew someone, and it was a wonderful thing. I don't want to take it away from him. But, like, there was no staying power. So you obviously have staying power, and you're you're actively working. Where do you go from here? I mean, having 170 credits is an actor's dream. Yeah. Where do you go? Do you want to stay in this in like we're on the course? Are you? Do you have an aim? Do you have? Do you want to get behind the cameras? Do you want to be the next? You know. Uh, super a list superstar. Like, what, what's your trajectory look like? Uh, it's a good question. I, I'd like to. Um, 
I'd like to switch over to the side where you get one of those jobs that pays you ridiculously well and keeps you employed for five, six, seven years. Yeah. I'd love to do that for a change um, because there's a stability in that. And there's also a creative, you know, you get to, to develop a character over, you know, if you're doing a TV show over a length of time that you don't normally get to do. Yeah. And you get to have a little bit of like, I'm settled. I'm not looking for my next job right now. I'm not like worried about paying bills. I'm like, here. And I get you to, get to live. I get to live and play this and do this job that I love and play this character uh, as uh, to the depths the, that I can. And I have you time. Get to explore it. I get you to explore have fun it. with it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I'd like to do that for a change. <laughs> that, well, that's, that's a great answer. And, you know, right now you see so many shows coming back. You know, Roseanne's coming back. Will and Grace came back. And every interview I've seen with these people that are uh, the, with the cast, they say, why do you want to come back? And they said, well... I live that character. Yeah. I miss that character. I want to know what happened with that character. Like, that was a part of me. And you only get that if you get the longevity. Yeah. And that is so true. How many characters I've had who are like, oh, he was on a bus going to Michigan and then the show stopped. And you never know where. Did he ever make it? Man, that's frustrating. What happened? <laughs> did the bus crash? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, you get to you get to have an, have an, an ending or a, yeah. a, an answer for your character, which is an amazing thing. And the other thing about TV right now is, the, you know, the writing in it is so good. Oh, God, it's so good. It's so good. So the writers are excited to be able to explore these storylines and plots and characters over a length of a season or multiple seasons, as are the actors. And it's just so good. Like, I wouldn't, who wouldn't want to be part of Game of Thrones or Westworld? Everything is so good right now that it makes it difficult to live your life. <laughs> because it's... I um, was just telling people the other day, I currently watched Black Mirror. Yeah. And I'm having a hard time getting my brain back to life. Right. Because it was so well done. So profound, yeah. so incredible, and it was—it's a TV show. Yeah, like the quality of television is out of control. Yeah. And when I say TV, I include streaming. Yeah, you know, as a Netflix show, but yeah. I mean it's just unbelievable. Yeah, it really is. And, and the stuff that you get to do when you work in this industry is incredible if you get the chance. Yeah, and and it's great to see someone that is getting the chance is doing it, has put the work in, and is getting to do such. Different, varied, and fun things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been very fortunate that way. And like I said, part of it is I want to be able to, you always want to keep the hunger alive. You know, right. you want to, um, so the danger for me is making sure that I, I, you know, you balance the, I need to keep making a living and pay bills and stuff like that. But I also need to make sure that the rules that I'm taking are creatively satisfying. And that's hard. You know, people go through divorce and, you know, you, markets go up and down and, and people have slow periods so trying to get to that place where you're not your finances don't dictate your career choices yeah it's really really hard and i've been doing this a long time and it's still a major player in my life so right. um so that's always been tricky and i just i would really like to get to the place as an artist where i can just go i can just do this be. thing that i love yeah and not have to worry about any of that other stuff for a while give me a break from that so and that's my I, goal. okay so there, this brings me to another question because, you know, you hear a lot, especially in L.A., that, oh, you know, we're losing jobs, we're losing jobs, everything's in Atlanta, everything's up in Vancouver. And there's a lot of jobs. It's true. There's a lot. But for me, I still feel like you got to be in L.A. Mm. How is it do how is it being an actor up in Vancouver? Do you feel that for you to really get to that level that you want to be, you're going to have to relocate? 
Yeah, I think there's still a little bit of prejudice about people's postal code or zip code. Um, you know, there's like a little bit like if you're in L.A., you're serious. If you're not, then, you know, it's a... That's what we like to say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just because I live here. <laughs> uh, I think Vancouver for the longest time was a service industry. So, they, you know, they bring projects up there and the... And the Actors were kind of more of a fill fill the smaller roles, and that was it. But that's changed over the over the last ten fifteen years. Ultimately, I think it's like let the let the best man win. You right. know, it's a creative industry, and we see it. We, I mean, Canadians complain about all the Aussies that are getting jobs. You know, right. there's this rash of popularity in Hollywood, like all the Australians are working. I know. You know it's like, if what? I see one more British person playing American, yeah, I'm like done. It's like, what the hell is that? <laughs> yeah. um, so, and and we see that too, where Americans come up to Canada and they're doing Canadian projects, right? And and we're like, why is there an American lead for a Canadian project? We're not big enough to be giving away our right. Uh, so it. Grew it goes in all directions, but I, I think ultimately we just we all want to be you know we all want to do what we love and we all want to fill the roles with the best people. And, uh, but coming to LA, the, the advantage is is you get the first foot in the door, right? As opposed to it's been circling around here in Los Angeles for months. By the time you get it up in Canada, maybe the first five roles have already been like more or less spoken for or have been or. So it's about trying to come in and be more in the hub of the, the people that are creative. And even this, more people who are writing scripts, doing podcasts, uh, doing plays, you know. Like, content. They're just producing content. There's just more. I mean, and that, and that is the thing with L.A. is is it's just buzzing with co- content creators, yeah. you know. But I brought this up because I, I have a lot of people that listen. I have a lot of, you know, college and high school kids that listen. And I want people to realize that. Just because you can't come to L.A. doesn't mean you can't do what you want to do. Yeah, no, no. Because here's a guy sitting across from me who has worked way more than I probably ever will. And he doesn't live in L.A. Yeah. And he lives in, you know, Canada. And he's, yes, he's in a great spot for for filming and stuff like that. But if you listen to all the people that say you need to do this or you need to do that, don't worry about that so much. You know, find what's going on close to you where you can drive to. There's, There's, you know... Stuff happening everywhere. Well, and listen, dude, we're doing a podcast from your living room. It's this is right. The, we're in an era where I can uh, tape most of my I can tape all my auditions in my living room. Yeah, so I can do that anywhere on the planet as long as I have you know internet and right. camera. I can do it. And, and if you're listening to this, you have internet. Yeah, and exactly. you're probably fine. Yeah, it's it's just something that I think is really um, good for people to hear that there are no. There are no you have tos, or it's not a, a formula that has to be followed to achieve success. Uh, you can really do this stuff wherever you want if yeah. you have the passion and you have the drive yeah. and you really want it. Rules are meant to be broken. I was one of the first people in Vancouver to start taping auditions regularly because I started working straight out of the gate. And then about five years in, I moved to one of the suburbs, which is about 45 minutes out of Vancouver, but with traffic and weather and stuff, it could be an hour and a half, two hours. So right. I stopped going. I started going, I'm not coming in to, to, to read for an audition for a casting director who's seen me 18 million times. I'm not going to spend three, four hours just to get there and put something on tape with a casting director. Because at the time, again, all the all the people who were making choices were in Los Angeles. So oh, they, yeah. So why go in and do that? That's the, silly. why would I tape it in your office for you to send it? Excuse me. What for you to send it to Los Angeles? I'll just buy a camera, and tape it myself, right, and send it down. So and that's I was, called smart, right? And that's how that's how the industry started to change. And and ultimately, the casting directors were like, "Oh yeah, you put." It. In fact, I was doing better tapings than they were, and they're like, "Okay, it looks great. Tape it yourself. 
send it to us, we'll forward it to them. And when I started doing it, it was like you had to change the format of the video and move it into this, and then you had to compress it and you had to move it. Like it was, oh God. It was even itself. Now it's Nightmare. like I do it on my iPhone. It's Boom, send. send. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. And it, it's, but it's that thing that if you want it, you make it happen, yeah. you figure it out. Uh, I have mentioned this a lot in the podcast. I have no idea how to do a podcast. I had no idea. Yeah. I still don't know if I know what I'm doing. But, you know, just today, I had eight publicists email me about booking their clients on my podcast. So I'm, I'm sitting here kind of patting myself on the back going, well, for the guy who has no idea how to do anything with computers and doesn't know how to do a podcast, I'm doing it. Apparently, you're <laughs> you know, I'm doing it. Yeah. You know, and that is what's so encouraging for, for people now. And when I, I go across the country, I talk to... Uh, a lot of colleges and high schools and kids, and I, I do adults too, but mostly to the young, younger people, young adults, I, I just like to say, don't get so fixed on the you have to's yeah. because rules anymore, they'd really, they're just not there. Yeah. I mean, there's always room for interpretation. There's always wiggle room. And if you can be creative to try to achieve what you want to achieve, People like that even more. Yeah. They love the fact yeah. that you figured out that you can tape yourself with your auditions and send them in because you probably saved a lot of people extra time yeah. that they didn't need, and you, you know, you did it yourself, yeah. and that shows, you know, dedication and passion and all that stuff. And people, and it's so easy for people to get stuck into. Uh, well, it's always been done this way, you right? Know, and suddenly, you, your brain stops. It goes, oh, it's always been done this way. Why can't we do it this way? Well, uh, because it's always been done this way, and that our industry is no exception. Oh, actually, I think our industry is. The worst. Right. The yeah. worst. I still tell people that I couldn't believe when I signed up, when I first moved here, you know, six years ago, and I signed up to do background, you had to call a number and listen, and it would be busy, busy, busy. And the only way to get booked was to call. You couldn't go online. They didn't post it. You yeah. couldn't look at the breakdowns <laughs> and, like, submit your name. Yeah. You had to find a phone or bring your phone, which, you know, you can't have on set. So, yeah. you know, you're running out. People are running outside trying to call to get booked. And I thought, well, this is so ridiculous. And I kept asking, well, why do they do it this way? And they would say, because this is the way they've done it. Yeah. They've been doing this since 1925. Yeah. Well, that's not a good reason. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's a lot of things they did in 1925 that I'm, they don't do now. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, it, it's, it's that mentality of, you know, what – what you have to. Yeah. What you have to. I'll give you an example of that, if I may. For the longest time, everyone believed that you should always carry your sides into an audition with you. You should not memorize. You should just kind of be familiar and have them in your hand. And um, I felt I always felt that it was a hindrance. It was a crutch. That even if I knew them off, off, you know, off book completely, having them in my hand, now I can't. And now I'm not. I'm not committing to what I'm doing. Right. So I, from the beginning, started to memorize my dialogue and put the sides down and and perform the audition without them. And I would get people, no, 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 because the, the, the theory was they'll always imagine that you can do it better when you know your lines. And I'm like, well, yeah, but I want them to imagine that if there was a green screen behind me, they could use this footage in their movie. Right. So do you want to take a chance with a guy who might be better when he knows his lines, or do you want to look at me and go, I, this is, it's good to go. Can can we just use that? <laughs> right. And old, old actors would always kind of argue with me. And then I met this older gentleman in Vancouver had been working for years, and uh, it was during a period of time where the, uh, a lot of the older guys were having a hard time. The industry had slowed down, and they were all overextended financially because we had just come out of a really busy period in the 90s. And so they were like, you know, some of them were having a hard time paying their bills and covering their mortgages and stuff. And I asked them and said, how, 
how have you been? I know it's been a hard time, especially with your age group. And he's like, I can tell you, it's been the best years of my life. And I can't tell this to any of my peers because a lot of them are suffering. He goes, but you know what? I said, well, what happened? He goes, well, I started to lose my eyesight. I couldn't read my sides. So I couldn't go into an audition and read my sides because I didn't want all my characters to have reading glasses. So I started to remember them. I memorized them for every audition, which he would do, of course, on set. He goes, but it forced me to memorize them for every audition. And I, my booking rate went up like that. And he goes, I just started booking everything. And it's, it was one that that older gentleman that was the way that forced him to move on to the next step of because actors today we're all competing it's the olympics man yeah i mean like why aren't you memorized i mean don't get me wrong some days it's great to have them there but you know it's like i try to go in and be the only choice and i think that it makes sense and not just for acting it's for whatever you want to do you know be the expert in that field you know walk in there knowing that you have done the work 100 percent. you don't need those notes because you know this yeah. you got it you show up for training camp for a sport but you're already fit you're already in season conditioned right instead of like i'm going to use spring spring training for to get lose 10 pounds and get in shape right show up but you know there's something to be said about having the confidence to do that yeah. and i mean you clearly have the confidence in yourself to know that what you're doing is the best to your ability and you're confident with that yeah and a lot of people don't have that yeah. a lot of people don't have that confidence, you know, they're, they second-guess themselves a lot and or they're nervous wrecks or whatever. You know, what advice do you give to people, you know, not just in the acting world, um, in, in anything they do? Like, how do you how do you really feel confident when, you know, you, you don't get as far as you have gotten without being confident in who you are as an actor and as a person and know that you know what you're doing? Yeah. So how did you get that way? How, what, are some, what are some pointers you can give people to, to feel you know, secure in themselves to, to be who they want to be? Well, maybe this, this is because of my troubled past, but I always break the rules. Yeah. I always break the rules because most often they're there just to hold you back or just to tell you that this is the way it's always been done. Right. But if, the, if you can look at a, a certain rule set and go, I can do this better, I'm going to break this rule, but it's going to pay off then break it. Whenever you can, break the rules, break the mold, step outside the box, do something different, be noticed. Go down in flames, but be noticed, or or go for it. There's so many so many people, it's like the, an old saying in acting, is if you get a backup job, you will back up. Right. You, know, you will fall yeah, back. Absolutely. And I think that there's a lot of truth in that, because it, psychologically, you're just not committing yourself to this is the choice I'm making. I'm going for it. So I think always break the rules whenever you can. Whenever it makes sense, break the rules, but look for those opportunities. And I think um, I think, you know, be your own worst critic but you're, and your own best cheerleader. But make sure you're, you are the one who's doing it and not relying on other people because especially in this industry, oh, you were great, darling. You were so good. Thank you so much for coming in. And the moment the door shuts, he was fucking terrible. Right. I'm never going to see him again. What's wrong with his face? Has he been drinking? You know, like, yeah. they will they will tell you one thing to your face and lie to your back. So you have to be your own best judge, your own, your own worst critic, and your own best cheerleader. You know, be hard on yourself, be true to yourself, and, and don't rely on other people to, to, to validate you. Right, and because you can also know that they may not have liked what you did, but you did great anyway. Yeah. And you know you did the best you, and that's all that matters. Yeah. So don't let someone who was looking for a blonde hair, blue eye guy let you yeah. feel down about yourself because it had nothing to do with your performance. Yeah. It was just whatever. And and again, this this is not just an acting thing. I, I see and I hear so much of people that are comparing themselves to someone in their office yeah. that may be getting more or doing more. 
and they feel like they're not performing as well, but they do just as good of a job. Yeah. Well, maybe it's because that person is fitting a, a role that they're looking for in a different way than you are. As long as you're doing you 100, yeah. percent that's what you have to worry yeah. about. There, there, there are things involved that you have no control of whatsoever. Right. All you can do is control what you can control, and and the rest is you know is what it is. And the other thing is you need to be at all, at all times. You need to realize that that's the truth of the matter. And the same is, don't let yourself get in the place where you're like, oh, that uh, that was terrible, but they loved it, so it must be good enough. No, it's right. not. It doesn't matter if you got the job. If you know you did a bad job and you were lucky to get that job, know that you still have some, some holes to shore up because just because people are like, oh, it was great, it was perfect, we loved it. Let's move on. And you're like, no, 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 I need another take. Cause yeah, that- well, don't. Don't be mediocre just because <laughs> you got a pass. Yeah, because you're getting away with it. Right? Yeah. You want you want to be the best that you can be. I, I think that for me, and I still, you know, gosh, I have self-esteem issues that are so long I can't even, you know, I, I wouldn't be able to put them in a notebook. But uh, on the flip side, I also have... The, the name of your podcast. <laughs> it's called Life Lessons from a Total Failure. Exactly. But on the flip side, I also have a tremendous sense of self of who I am and what I, I know that I'm capable of which helps balance that out. And for me, one of the biggest things that helped me succeed in life, just being able to get up and live my life as myself, is not comparing myself to anybody else. And knowing that I'm in a world where I'm going to be judged constantly by people and they're going to view me through the eyes of other people and what they want. And that... That has nothing to do with me. Yeah. That has to do with them. Yeah. If I'm doing what I need to do for me and I'm working hard and I did the best that I can do, then that's it. That's all I need to worry about. Yeah. And it's so easy said and it sounds very cliche, but if you really work on doing that, the other things in your life will start to fall in line. You'll see, oh, I'm booking jobs. Oh, I got that promotion. Oh, that girl that I liked is flirting with me. Oh, I do have the money in the bank to buy that new car I want yeah. because... You are actively working on yourself and you're making yourself better. And, and that just comes back to you in different ways. Yeah. And you know what a big red flag is for me is that I try to make sure that I don't fall into the trap of begrudging somebody else's success. Yes. It's too easy in our business to be like, oh, I'm better looking than that guy. I'm more talented than that guy. I could have done that role better. Why has he got the job? And have start to, that becomes a negative energy that you can start to carry with you. And I, I'm, I don't do that normally anyways but it's something that I've been it's been really important for me through my career to make sure that that doesn't take that doesn't get a hold of me because it gets a hold of so many actors it's hard yeah it's really hard and I I like to I'm very proud of the fact that I don't get jealous of peers really um the only time I in be a liar to say say I don't get jealous when I do get angry is when someone gets things who hasn't put any work in. (laughs) Then I become a little bitter. (laughs) And I have no problem saying it out loud. I'll be like, well, that lucky little didn't even do a thing. And go, he can go get... (laughs) I get real mad. (laughs) I hear you, man. I hear you. And that's a hard one to resist. I've seen it many, many times over the years. People that... that, yeah, I've gotten, you know, five years in a series and I'm like, you've been doing it for, those are the first five years of your career. Right. You just got that. But <laughs> what I what I realize is they either got it because they had something I didn't have yep. and that's fine or they were lucky this time, but that doesn't mean they're going to be lucky next time. Yep. 
And you have to just kind of remember that because it's very hard. It, yeah. it, it, it is really hard. And the harder you work, the luckier you get. And that's a that's the truth. So you got to just keep realizing that, yeah, maybe some people, they do have a, a luck right after the get-go, but the, the hard work is what makes luck happen. Yeah. And uh, we I've said this many times in this podcast because obviously we have a lot of actors and we live in L.A. Auditioning is a numbers game. Yeah. The more you audition, the more you're going to book. Yeah. It's just the way it is. Yeah. If you If you are waiting till you're perfect to go into an audition – and you only do one a month, yeah. and you don't book anything, well, duh. Yeah. It's because you're not really doing what you need to do. Yeah. And it's just like these people that sit at the same job for years and years wishing they could be doing something else. Well, if they're not trying to do something else, yeah. then how are they going to be able to do something exactly. else? Um, going back to what you said about breaking the rules, one thing I talk about in my book and, and I talk about a lot on this podcast and when I talk to people is doing the things that you know scare you. Or when something is like, oh, I'm afraid to do that, do it. Yeah. Because most of the time when you make those leaps, you don't regret it. Yeah. In fact, those are the times that catalyst you to something much bigger and better that you didn't even realize. And in, in my life, I wouldn't be here if I didn't screw up my life completely and I didn't make decisions out of really necessity, but from fear. Yeah. It was, I need a paycheck. I can't get a job. So I guess I better go do this, even though I don't want to and I'm really uncomfortable. Oh, you want me to audition? What? Yeah, yeah. I don't know what I'm doing, but I need this paycheck. So I better friggin' figure it out, yeah. you know? And all those things made, made my life better yeah. and made me become myself more than I even anticipated. Yeah. So, yeah, break the rules. Don't be, when you are afraid, go towards the fear yeah. instead of running away yeah. because it just helps you grow. It makes yeah. you better. So you're down in L.A. for how long? You're here for... Uh, you know what? I've been kind of coming to L.A. on and off for years. Um, um, but I'm now that my kids are a little bit more grown and and um, life is taking me in a different path, I'm going to be here more and more over the next uh, yeah. few years. So I expect I'll be here probably... A, Four or five months, but you know, I'm sure, you don't mind coming down here in the winter. No, right? exactly. No. <laughs> I, have my, I have my motorcycle down here all year oh, round, so yeah. I come down and ride during the winter. I, I was I was here at the same time last year, and I got a job right away and took me out of the city. So that's how it is. Yeah, know. I'll be here as long as I can be, and the, and then when work takes me somewhere, I go. East coast and in the south, we know that you're getting hammered with winter storms. Yeah, it's 78 degrees here. The sun is shining, and the sky is as blue as can be. So, I'm sorry so about it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this sorry, is, not sorry. Yeah, this is why we live here yeah. and put up with traffic. Because <laughs> if I have to sit in traffic, look at palm trees in the 78 degree weather, I'll deal. Yeah, you know, exactly. it, it is a great place to be. Well, Ty, you really are a fascinating guy, and you have such good energy, and your career is amazing. And I know that you're one of these people that your career is not going anywhere, and you're going to be doing bigger and better things and continue to grow. And and you should because you are. This is you walk the walk and you talk the talk, and you've really put the time in and the work in. Thanks, brother. So before I let you out of here, I have a couple questions I always ask people. The first question I usually ask is, tell me about a time in your life where you failed or you screwed up or you did something that you wish you hadn't, right. how you felt about it then, but how do you feel about it now? Yeah, well, I, you know, I kind of I kind of expected this question to come up, given, again, the name of the podcast. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, so when I was in about grade uh, six, seven, eight, I was, you know, 13, 14, uh, I was an angry kid. I'd come from a very... Uh, very unhappy background was bouncing around between group homes and foster homes quite a bit 
Uh, I don't know why you'd be angry. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's weird. And uh, I was, as most kids, you know, the testosterone, the balls had dropped, testosterone was coming in, and the anger was starting to come out. And uh, so I was getting in a lot of fights at school and getting into kind of petty crimes. And uh, I was at that age where I had discovered drinking and, and hash. And so I was showing up at school with like 40 ounces of vodka and a couple of grams of hash and getting lit at, at lunch. Wow. Yeah. And uh, I had broken into that high school and like petty crimes. I didn't like, I kind of vandalized a little bit, kind of stole ice cream bars and shit. Like nothing serious. But I never even got a detention. Just throwing <laughs> it out there. <laughs> so. so there was one... Uh, so there was one teacher, the drama teacher, and a French teacher who kind of took me under her wing because I kept getting in trouble and I kept showing up smelling like alcohol. And and it was because of all the, the fighting and the drinking and the smoking and the petty crimes and that she took me under her wing and brought me into uh, the school place. And uh, because she knew that, that all the other, the principal kind of had his eye out on me and, you know, was always kind of looking to catch me, so to speak. And she really um, not only protected me, but became a friend to me and got me to audition for the school plays. That and, couldn't have been easy. Uh, no, but, uh, you know, it's like I loved her so much. She was so cool that, uh, yeah. like, she literally be like, you smell like a booze factory. Take this gum. Stay away, <laughs> <laughs> Stay away from what's his name. And I'm like, okay. And ironically, when we broke into the school, we touched every room except hers. Hers was never touched. <laughs> they kind of guessed from that. But um, so she ended up. She was literally the catalyst for me getting to acting because I went to I did two um, school plays with her, and then she got me to audition for the uh, the arts program at the high school that I went to, which was an arts high school, kind of like Fame. Um, and she she tutored me on the uh, on the auditions. She drove me to the audition. Wow, an hour away. Amazing. I didn't get in. Three weeks later, we get a letter back saying he didn't get in. She called him and said, why didn't he get in? He's great. And there to go. His acting's great, but his grades are poor. So she tutored me for the rest of the year. And so uh, I have her to thank for me being a professional actor. Wow. And I have my stupid choices as a young, angry teen for to thank for her taking me under her wing because I was a kid who was angry and trouble. and Right. Yeah. And... Uh, one of the things that happened during that time is I got into a fight with another troublemaker kid who knew the system better than I did and charged me with an assault charge for breaking his nose. He really deserved it. Uh, <laughs> but we somehow managed to um, get my community service to be at a at a little theater in Ottawa. And so I was like a stagehand for, yeah. uh, for Frankenstein. And so we took this, this crime that I had done, which was getting into a fight, and... We turned it into this opportunity for me to be backstage and, and be every night with these actors and watch them put the play on and, and you know, be the stagehand, stage boy. There are things that suck and sometimes that's just the way it is. But I do look back and think, all right, you know, if when you were the kid, you probably felt a lot of rage and anger because your circumstances weren't the best. Yeah. But if they that didn't happen... You wouldn't have gotten into trouble. You wouldn't have met this woman who got you into what she got you into, and you wouldn't be sitting here today. 100%. And yeah. how great is your life? Yeah. Yeah. My life is fantastic. Right. So, and this is this is the point that I try always try to tell people is that no matter how bad things seem, it's okay. Yeah. Because if you just understand that it's part of the journey and believe in it yeah. you'll know it may be a week it may be a month it may be 10 years later you'll look back and think oh all right i 
get it now. And to the level of being thankful for it. I mean, yeah. like I said, I'm thankful for, I mean, it was not a fun time to be a kid in that situation, but I'm thankful for for where it's brought me today because would I be who I am? Who I am quite fond of myself. I, I, think I'm a, I'm, I, think I'm a, I think I'm swell. I think I'm a pretty good dude. You yeah. know, I think I, I'm, I'm loving, I'm caring. I have two beautiful children. I have a beautiful girlfriend. I try to do good in the world. Um, yeah. And uh, so I'm all right with myself. Yeah. And where would I be if I hadn't gone through those things? Who would I have been? Right. You know. And and that I always say the things that happened to me that I thought I would never move on from, that I almost didn't move on from. Thank God they happen. Yeah. Because I'm actually myself and the person I was supposed to be now. The person I was before then was not the person that I was. Yeah. Um, so really, really, really good answer to that question. Um, the other two aren't as intense, so you can relax. Okay. Uh, second question, what's your perfect day? Is it sitting on a beach, uh, exploring a new city, hiking a mountain, or building a snowman? Uh, building, uh, being with people I love in any of those situations. Okay. Uh, I've really, uh, from a guy who grew up not wanting anybody close to him because everybody left. In my, <clears throat> my life, everybody left. So uh, as a grown adult man, I've learned to bring pe- people close to me again. Right. And so having uh, having those people close to me, doing something that we so all So doing love. any of those activities, just making sure you have those people with you. Yeah. That's a great answer. Great answer. What? It's the beach. <laughs> at the beach, right? <laughs> yes, honey. <laughs> We have the girlfriend chiming and saying, the beach, the beach, <laughs> screw that crap, the beach. <laughs> Toughen up, go to the beach. All right. And the most important question to me is, what is your favorite theme song? My favorite theme song. The one that pops in my head is the one from Great American Hero. Do you remember that? It is. And you know, it's so funny <laughs> because as you sit here and I made the comment before saying, all these other people that are, you know, have great lives, blah, blah, blah. I was thinking about this guy. Matt Eisman, who is the host of American Ninja Warrior. He won Celebrity Apprentice. Pretty famous. He was a guest. And guess what he picked as his favorite theme song? And I was like, you remind me so much of him. You guys have the same energy and you're great guys. His was the greatest American hero. So you had to think of another one. So what's your second favorite? We used that one already. Damn, Damn him for getting here first. Um, what? Oh, yeah. Game of Thrones is a good one. It's a good one. Good. Game of That's Thrones. energy. Yeah. That raises the energy. Is that it? Is that your final answer? Yeah. Game of Thrones. Yeah, Game All of Thrones. right. Final answer. I would love to be on that show. You look like you should be on that show. Thank you. Yeah. I mean. If anybody out there is listening. I, think I could also be cast on that show, but it wouldn't be in quite the same way. I'd be like the peasant that they're like sending out to get killed. You'd be the one saving people. So. Or the bad guy. I'll play. Oh, yeah, the bad guy. Yeah. Right. You do that well. All right. Well, Ty, it was so great. So great having you here. And how do people find out more about you? How do they uh, follow you on social media? Uh, how do they stay in the know with Ty? Yeah, you can look me up on uh, on Twitter at, uh, at Ty Olson or at... And it's Olson, O-L-S-S-O-N, yeah, everybody. Yeah, or Ty.Olson on Instagram, which I'm trying to get fired up. And um, yeah, look for me on to turn your TV on. All right. Well, <laughs> guys, turn your TV on. Make sure you follow him. And Ty, thank you for coming. It was great having you. Thanks for having me, brother. Appreciate it. And if you enjoyed our podcast today, make sure to hit subscribe and rate, review us, and follow along on social media at LLTF the podcast. I absolutely love getting to this podcast. It is so much fun and want to be able to continue doing it for a long time to come. But it takes a lot of time and money, and that's where you come in. If you think you'd like to donate, check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash LLTF the podcast, or you can donate via Venmo at LLTF the podcast. 